Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so people who need social work get the help that will transform their lives. I'm Jo. And I'm Jerry, and welcome back to Series 4. We've just been talking about social work with um, young adults and this is our second podcast of the month, so it's uh, looking at a big issue to kind of consider it from a social work point of view and we're going to talk about homelessness because it's it's so important and we're really keen to hear from you about what you think of our podcast trying to kind of look at these big issues uh, you can comment on our website www.helpfulsocialwork.com or on iTunes or on our Facebook page Helpful Social Work Podcast and I've got a few thank yous um, people who've liked us on Twitter and Facebook um, PC Litter Paoli, Shabir, City, Lindsay, Colleen, Rune, Mayoa, uh, Samantha, Kyla, Kerry, Joe, Donna, various others. And there was a really lovely uh, quote from um, children and families across borders who recommended one of our podcasts and said it was genuinely very helpful for reflection on big ethical issues we all face across social work specialisms. Oh, that's really nice, isn't it, Jerry? What yeah. a nice thing. Yeah, because it's what we're trying to do, actually, is is just um, start a conversation and, and help people think about these things and I guess help ourselves think about them, too. Yeah, I also wanted to say that we're nearly at 40,000 downloads. That's very good. Um, yeah. And really was really pleased to see that for um, one of our recent podcasts, which was anti-racism, um, we had a lot of downloads in the US, um, particularly in California, Texas, New York and Louisiana. So. Mm-hmm. Hello to all of you people yeah. over the other side of the world. Absolutely. And we're going to um, talk about homelessness, Jerry. And, and you and I have talked about this many times over the course of our um, friendship, really, haven't we? Because this is uh, one of the big issues, I think, um, that we all should be thinking about all the time. Um, so we start off with a definition of homelessness here. Um, the definition of homelessness means not having a home. You are homeless if you have nowhere to stay and you are living on the streets. But I like this bit, but you can be homeless even if you have a roof over your head. You count as homeless if you are staying with friends or family, staying in a hostel, night shelter or B&B, squatting because you have no legal right to stay, at risk of violence or abuse in your own home. I, th- I thought that was particularly interesting, um, particularly when you think of elder abuse and cuckooing, um, uh, living in poor conditions that affect your health or living apart from your family because you don't have a place to live together. So that's a really wide definition, Jerry, isn't it? Yes, and it's, I mean, that's from Shelter and they're really sound. Um, Shelter and Crisis are two of the big organisations in the UK that um, campaign around homelessness and trying to help people who are homeless. And I think that idea of, yeah, not having a secure base, mm. not having somewhere where you feel safe is really important. Um, the other thing that's really important in terms of definitions is is the legal definition. So this is in England. Um, local authorities have to help if you're legally homeless so they need to assess and try and get you some emergency housing if you qualify for it. And that might not be the ideal place, but mm-hmm. there is some, some support available. Um, but unfortunately, there's also um, this definition of um, intentionally homeless oh, yes. in the legal sense. And then the local authority may not help you. 
Um, so they might decide that you're intentionally homeless if you lose your home because of something that you deliberately do or fail to do. Um, and then they wouldn't necessarily need to support. They should they should kind of help temporarily if you're really in, in you're really struggling. Um, but it, it's quite interesting to have this different difference between uh, legally homeless and intentionally homeless. Um, I was just about to say this is something that I used to deal with all the time um, when I was a team manager of the uh, 12 to 18 team. Um, and what would happen is that a young person would have conflict with their family and it would be, to their mind, something they couldn't live with. And so they would leave the home, but they could go back home. So there was a home there being offered for them by the parents and they didn't meet the threshold for safeguarding. And so therefore they were intentionally homeless. Now, this is a terrible situation for a young person to be in. And it was really about the conflict between whose pot of resources it was coming out of. Was it coming out of children's services resources or was it coming out of housing's resources? Because at the end of the day, young people have to have a home, they have to have shelter. And both parties agreed with that principle, but it was about who would pay for what. And intentionally homeless, this phrase, was the phrase that social workers would just dread really. Um, because it really meant that we would often have a young person sitting downstairs in a, in a state of high distress, quite frankly, um, not knowing what was going to happen to them that night while we went back and forth with housing to try and work out where best to place them. Yeah, and I think the things that we need to consider in social work and, and, and as a society actually are... Uh, the level of choice that people actually have, um, you know, what their mm -hmm. context is. Um, if people can't pay their mortgage, for example, or their rent, what else is going on? Um, what mm -hmm. hardship are they facing? Um, is it to do with delays on benefit payments, which it sometimes is? Um, do people, um, are people struggling because of um, sudden circumstances that have changed, sudden illness, um, not being able to manage their money for whatever reason mm -hmm. um, you know there's this kind of thing of you might be intentionally homeless if you're evicted for antisocial behavior but actually how deliberate are people's behaviors um, and in any case I think there is a bottom line which is if someone has got nowhere to live then they need support from society uh, yes I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more I, I do um, I applaud Finland's um, determination to create a society where there are no homeless people that's that's one of their big agendas that they've been working towards um, and I think that that's a, a laudable um, goal for any society really um, and I'm very disturbed by some of the rhetoric that comes out of um, other societies and other governments around um, homeless people being seen as 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 a nuisance or as a um, as an environmental risk or as or as something that is um, almost to be like a pest like a pest to be managed um, and you see the you know don't you see the lumps you know those studs that they put outside um, buildings and things like that to stop people from sleeping in the doorways. Yeah, like 
<laughs> it that that doesn't seem to me to be the very best solution. Yeah, and I think um, the one of the, the issues that we have is we're not really sure how many people actually are homeless. Um, mm -hmm. Homelessness is recorded differently in each country of the UK. Um, many homeless people don't show up in statistics at all. So uh, Crisis kind of published some figures from street counts and estimates, um, mm -hmm. which suggested, so the last one in 2017 was that about getting on for 5,000 people sleeping rough across England on any given night, and that that was an increase. Um, and that in that year, around 60,000 households were accepted as homeless in England. Um, mm. But, you know, that might be a real underestimation. And the other thing that I was just trying to look up um, was about homeless deaths. Uh, so there's yes. a um, report published very recently, um, an ONS report, Office of National Statistics, which shows that homeless deaths rose by 22%. <clears throat> sorry, last year. So homeless mm -hmm. deaths rose by 22% last year, um, and there was an estimate that 726 homeless people died in England and Wales. Um, and that's, you know, charities and um, some members of parliament have, have kind of pointed to that being around austerity and cuts to service. Um, I mean, there's, lo there's lots of reasons why people become homeless. Policy is, mm. is one of them, but 726 people in 2018 um, died on our streets. This issue is not going away, is it? And as you say, at the moment, it seems in England um, that it's getting worse for, for, for many different reasons. Yeah, so the Homelessness Monitor, um, looking at what's happening in England again, particularly um, this year, um, did a survey of the local authorities and 71% were saying that homelessness has been recently increasing. And some of the reasons are around not enough housing provision, particularly social housing provision, changes to um, allocation of housing, um, some issues around housing benefit, so that not keeping pace with rents. Um, welfare reform, so people being changing from changing from one benefit to another. So the, the particular problem at the moment of having to wait for universal credit payments, and then yeah, we know from uh, sort of our own field that loss of preventative services, particularly um, loss of mental health and addiction and domestic violence services, um, those kind of well, they're not even preventative really, are they? Services for help people in crisis, but also mm -hmm. services that would have maybe reduced. The need for those crisis services yep. so we, you know, we've got this long kind of um, lead-in to people ending up in homelessness often and of course there's there's a lot of work I think that one of the positive things is there's a lot more awareness and there is a lot of work to provide a bed for everyone so for example Greater Manchester are trying to do that but it's getting the right kind of accommodation isn't that for the particular needs that people have yeah, I, I think that that's exactly right, Jerry. We've we've got to be very curious about why people are homeless, and I guess um, my experience of this issue is that you can also become homeless when you're not able to navigate or manage the rules of society because you've become so detached or disaffected or remote from others that you struggle to engage with any of the requirements that people might put on you to gain shelter. Um, and, and this comes from watching my own brother, actually, who for some years was very fragile. And, and as a result, he was often homeless. And this would sometimes be despite him having options. 
it just seemed that the company of other people, the the rules and the structures in hostels or caravan parks or shelters, they just overwhelmed him. He couldn't navigate or understand or, or manage or connect. Um, he seemed to want to be apart from the overwhelming noise and stimulation and complication of life. And, um, you know, it's it's very hard to watch somebody struggling to find their own way like that um, and and kind of choosing to be outside of society. At, but and he never wanted to not have somewhere to feel safe or somewhere not to be comfortable. And I, I often think of the um, poem Innisfree by W.B. Yeats when I think of him. And it's just um, there's a few lines I just want to say to you because it, it really, I think, helps us think about this issue. I will arise and go now and go to Innisfree and a small cabin built there of clay and wattles made. Nine bean rows will I have there, a hive for the honey bee, and live alone in the bee loud glade. And I shall have some peace there, for peace comes dropping slow. And, and it goes on, but it was for me, it was always the thought of him being able to be somewhere where he would feel nurtured and have peace that um, I think, and I just think it's about, I'm not trying to glamorize or justify homelessness in any way. I, I believe very strongly everyone should have a place where they feel safe and are able to call their own. But I'm saying that some of the provisions we make for people who are homeless, don't let people feel safe in the way they need to. And that sometimes people with the best want in the world can't navigate the pain of being around people and dealing with the noise of society. And we need to be really curious about people who uh, uh, repeatedly struggle to find a home. So homeless people who, who, you know, go back onto the streets time and time again. And there's a lovely quote, just to end this off, and then I'll be quiet, from um, Finland. I was looking... Um, um, at, at an article from uh, a person in um, Finland who, who um, where there's an active, active program to eradicate homelessness, and it's from Pia Rosenberg, 64, and she's lived at the same Housing First project since 2014 after being homeless for two years. And she says, it suits me good because I'm an alcoholic and I'm allowed to drink in my room. And if I need help, then I get it. You don't feel good if you don't have a home. Some of the things that we've talked about sound really intractable, so it's it's probably worth spending a bit of time on where do we start, really, with this. Absolutely. Um, outraged <laughs> the thought that anyone in our affluent society is homeless. That's where we should start. <laughs> yes, and I think that the, the aspiration of ending homelessness, not just ending street homelessness but ensuring that everyone has a place they feel safe is the right one for our society um, and there is um, like a crisis campaign called end homelessness and so we can we can support that um, we can um, campaign for that and shout about that and make sure that um, we encourage policy and provision that actually addresses that so yes emergency accommodation but also um, personalised support for people trying to make sure that there's kind of good services, making sure that there's a good income for people as well.
Yeah, I think that's right, Joe, because there's been a huge leap, hasn't there, in um, the amount of people who are um, families who are homeless and people who are working but are still struggling to find a home. And I know that you, you all have seen the same thing. When we're in the Premier Inn and places like that, you'll see families there, that like getting their kids off to school and that. And I always think, how hard must it be to parent in a hotel room? You yeah, know, And to have a real family life. Yeah. Um, and to feel secure because you know that it's not permanent. Um, yeah. yeah, so we could do better. And one of the things we do need to do, I think, is build more houses. Oh, yeah, more affordable houses, not more houses for people to invest in. Um, you know, we need we need to have houses that people can consider their homes. And I think there's also something about um, how we allow rent to, to happen in certain places and spiral out of control and thinking about having um, caps on rent and all those kind of things. So Yeah, and I think if, if there's more housing provision, then the, the cost of all housing comes down, which means that housing as an investment becomes nonsense, which it, it ought to be really. It ought to be that mm. your housing is somewhere that you live. It's not, um, it's not your nest egg. It's not your, um, not your income. Um, so, if, you know, we have this situation where some people don't have any housing and other people have housing that they don't use because yeah. it's essentially a, a savings fund. Exactly. Um, so there's a lot of policy things. And I think social workers, you know, as a profession, we can get behind those things. It's absolutely mm -hmm. part of our social justice role um, within social services. I mean, you've already talked a little bit about children's services. There's there's work we can do as professional social workers to and signpost people to the right advice, to the right legal advice, to liaise with housing, um, to try and get people in touch with services. My impression from people I've talked to is that that's, that's really tough work at the moment because of the constraints around service provision. Yeah. Um, but it is something where you know, we, we may have more knowledge than, um, than other public servants and may be in a position to really advise. I think we, we have to notice people too, don't we? That's the other thing that for me, and I know that, um, like I said, we've had many conversations about this over the years, but we need to relate to people who are homeless um, in, in a way that is that recognises their humanity and their right to have a space and a place and safety as much as anybody else and to be curious about them and to actually not invade their space or, or you've said here, um, treating, talking to them as if they're a child, but actually realise that people deserve respect and contact and touch and all the good things in life as well as 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 well as anyone else and one of the things that really kind of bothers me is when people film themselves talking to homeless people and then put it on social media have you I you know like yeah here i am offering a cup of coffee to somebody or giving my shoes to somebody or you know it, it's kind of um it's really invasive, isn't it? It's actually it really problematic. Person, yeah. It treats a person as if they're an object that you can, because mm. it makes you feel good then. You feel good um, that you've done something good, but the person is like a passive recipient of it. There's things we can do in our professional lives around 
recognising homelessness and identifying how that's part of why somebody might come to social services um, and, and getting people the right advice. Um, but in our personal lives as well, you know, that homeless people are all around us, aren't they? Um, mm. And so, yeah, I, there, I was really struck um, by this advice. Um, it was in a Guardian article from someone who's experienced homelessness um, around exactly what we're talking about, so relating to the person, uh, relating to them absolutely as equals. Yeah. And then there's this um, debate, isn't there, about um, giving money to people. <laughs> which, which you and I have often. <laughs> yeah, we have. And some of the big homelessness charities um, talk about the importance of providing resource to their programs where there's an understanding of how best to support people. I, th I see that that's, that's valuable. Um, and then there's also the, this discussion from the, the person who wrote this article who'd experienced homelessness about actually, you know, we're, we're, we're individuals. Why not let us make decisions? Um, yeah, just because you're homeless actually doesn't mean that you don't have any capacity to make decisions. And just because you're an addict as well doesn't mean that you don't have capacity to make decisions too. I just... I just think that, and also too, if you see someone in need and you're moved to, you have something that you can offer, then as a straight up transaction between the two of you, if you don't have any expectation on that, you, well, you know me, I, my, both my son and I carry coins in our pocket and whenever we go somewhere, we always, if someone's asking for money, we always make sure we give it. And the last time, actually, interestingly, someone came up and asked me for money and I gave it to them. I think they were surprised, actually, that I was going to give it to them. And then I stopped and had a chat as well. And we would say we have lots of discussions about this and I, I have really mixed feelings about it. I genuinely don't know. Um, I do know that ignoring people is inhumane. Um, but as to what you might want to give them, whether that's eye contact, a smile, a conversation, mm. um, money, food, a hot drink. Um, I think the thing that's really important um, from the, the person who wrote, wrote this article about um, you know, what, what might be useful is, is the sense of control. Yeah. So, yeah. So talk to the person about what you can offer or can't offer and what they might want from you if you can offer something don't give them yeah it says here, doesn't it don't pre-buy the food or drink ask the person what they want it's nice to be given choices when you feel your life is out of control it restores your humanity absolutely um, and then the the other area that they talk about um other than kind of donations volunteering support services and things is about reporting homelessness so mm -hmm. there is official advice that if you see someone who's who you're worried about immediately um well firstly if, it, if it's a, if it's you know real danger then get an ambulance um yeah but if you're concerned about someone's welfare or you know it's, it's a cold night um then inform street link and generally that's that seems like good advice um there is a, a caveat to that, which is that this person saying that um, sometimes you can find people reported to the Home Office who don't have the right to be in the country. Um, so that was that that issue was apparently stopped some years ago, but there's still a problem with trust. So, again, we've got to kind of 
think about um, the dignity of the person and their control. Mm. Um, so I would, I don't know, maybe talk to them about whether to report them. That's the kind of thing, though, that social workers can do, isn't it, is have those conversations to make a judgment about somebody's um, safety. Because it's interesting. So um, a few weeks ago, two of two of my team told me a story of um, coming across somebody who they thought was um, had passed out from too much drink on the stairs. Of a, of a place in our town and he, they were just lying there and they came across him early in the morning and they were worried because he was cold and still and so they went up and touched him um to make sure that he was you know alive i guess and not and and not too cold and then when they realized he was breathing and that they woke him up and asked him how he was and where he came from and those kind of things um and then they went across and got him some food and something to drink and then got him a bus fare to go back to his house because he'd been out, you know, over the night. But it was they were kind of making an assessment, I guess, of of how well and able he was to be able to help himself or what what level of help he needed. And I think that that's a that's a good place to start, isn't it? People often know what help they need. Yeah, and there's actually that brings me to um, the last thing that I really wanted to say about what we can do is a really wonderful example from a local authority that I came across where they set up a quite small fund, basically um, a pool of money and a social worker um, full time to go out and do something about homelessness. And this social worker just went out and talked to people and mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there are other examples of this where you just, you know, that kind of outreach where you just go out and you talk to people and find out what would help them and then try and arrange that for them, try and support them to get that, use the money that, you know, in the way that the resource in the way that seems the most sensible. Um, yeah, you know, they were, this, this social worker is giving me an example of um, going and getting district nurses and bringing them out, mm. um, going and um, bringing people to appointments, um, sorting out um you know, some equipment for this person who was going to stay on the streets for that period, but you know, needed some stuff. Um, yeah, so just being starting with where the person is and, and figuring mm -hmm. out the steps that you can take. And I just thought that that going out and and engaging. Yeah. Um, and and the good the good support services do that, don't they? And those are the ones that I would want us to try to help. Yeah. I think that from what we've talked about, the kind of reflective questions for me are around my practice you know how does my practice um contribute to preventing homelessness because i think all social work can in some way you can see some sort of link and the second one is my personal life you know how do i show respect and uphold the dignity of people who are homeless mm. and then the the other one is you know what can i do to campaign to end homelessness how can i contribute to that goal, social goal which is you know it's a fundamental goal isn't it of a good society i think so and and to me that's that's a big one for us you know yes we should deal with all individuals we meet actually with compassion and respect but we should also be challenging the societal structures which allow um and enable homelessness to exist in the first place and in particular, um, for me, it is really about us changing the way we see housing, which is not as a form of wealth, 
but as a form of of health and as you know both mental health and physical health and everybody having a right to shelter which i think is critical so you know all the organizations that are supporting and lobbying that we should be behind yeah 